Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said. Here on this podcast, I'm joining forces with a broad array of top-notch guests to share important life and career lessons, always with an eye toward insight, inspiration, and the drivers that help us build influence. I've spent three decades studying and learning the art of influence. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, advocating for a promotion, or running your own household, understanding influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast may just be the smartest, most efficient investment you can make in you. Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said. Do you ever get so frustrated with the news that you literally throw up your hands, unable to find sources that you feel are objective and also committed to good journalism? Well, despite that frustration, we all know that challenging ourselves to continuously learn about and make sense of our world is key for building and sustaining influence. But where do we turn for good, solid, objective sources? This week's guest, passion and curiosity, motivated her to create and offer up a solution to this very challenge. Jenna Lee walked away from a lucrative high-profile dream job as a national network anchor at Fox News Channel in New York to follow her passion and create something that she believes is missing from the way most of us consume news today, smart, nonpartisan stories and information for those who seek to be informed, like you. Jenna's gamble is paying off as her media company called SmartHerNews.com is attracting a loyal and dedicated audience. Now, if you don't know about Smarter News, be sure to check out the link that I've included in the show notes for this episode. And also be sure to follow SmartHerNews on Instagram at Smart H-E-R News. Jenna's regular updates and reporting are both efficient and objective, and they're designed to inform but not incite. A core value of Smarter News, much like She Said, She Said podcast, is this recognition that the time you spend consuming news and information is limited and valuable, and it's often squeezed between demands of work and life and kids. So what you're getting needs to be a good use of your time. Also, like our She Said, She Said audience, Smarter News audience is disproportionately female, but Jenna and her team are not dishing out girly news or pink news. The news is the news. You and I care about the same kinds of unbiased news as anyone else, including our male counterparts, and Jenna gets this. Jenna and I actually got acquainted at a recent policy circle back in November, and we had so much to talk about that it was clear I needed to have her on to share not only her perspective on the future of news, but her journey as a journalist, an entrepreneur, and a working mom. I think you're really going to love and appreciate Jenna's thoughts on career pivots, on growing her business, and on balancing life and work as an entrepreneur. I also think you're going to love how she thinks about influence and the connection to curiosity. Most of all, once you have a chance to listen to this episode, I would love to know what you think. So please be sure to send me some feedback. But for now, here is my conversation with Smarter News founder and journalist, Jenna Lee. Jenna, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Well, I am too. I've been looking so forward to it. You are the founder and creator of something called Smart Her News. And while I imagine that my listeners are, many of them are, are familiar with it, for those who are not, talk about what, what Smarter News is. Well, in a very basic, Smarter News is exactly what its name is supposed to suggest, which is that what do we actually want from the news at the end of the day? When you strip everything away from what you actually want from a newscast or news delivery, you just want to feel a little bit smarter about the world. And specifically, when I was thinking about what would a news platform look like if I took everything that I learned 
over the years as a journalist, working in a lot of different roles at a lot of different places, if I took all of that and then kind of burnt it down <laughs> and started to rebuild it from a different point of reference, how could I deliver news in a smarter way as well? And specifically for an audience of my peers, you know, I feel like the life of the American woman has changed really dramatically over the last several decades, but the way that we deliver news to her hasn't changed at all. And here she is, arguably the most important consumer in the world because America is the largest economy in the world. And she is the majority voting block in the country. Right. So she's deciding elections and she's deciding leadership. And she needs information just as much as everybody else. But for some reason, I found many of my peers, it didn't matter who they were, where they were living, whether they were stay-at-home moms or huge corporate leaders, they all had the same problem accessing information because the news had become so partisan and so cluttered that even if they had five minutes they felt like they couldn't access something without doing a serious fact check of it. So I thought, well, how could I create a platform dedicated to nonpartisan news that makes someone feel smarter, that's also delivered in a smarter way? So small bites of high quality information, sort of like your favorite tapas bar. That's how I imagined <laughs> our news <laughs> platform. I'm like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because then at the end of the meal, whether that's the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, you actually feel great. You know, yeah. and that's those are sort of like the loose concepts or the the guiding the guiding lights for how smarter news came about. Yeah. Talk about was there a catalyst or a particular moment when you realized this was something that you needed to do? And I and we, we need to get into your origin story about what you were doing before, but was there some moment where you said, Okay, I have to do this? There was a moment where I was at a really critical point in my career. I was a national news anchor at the time. And what's interesting about that job, I mean, there's many things interesting about that job, but it really has an employment structure that's not very common. I guess it could be similar to professional athletes where you sign up for a period of time. So you have these contract periods. And these contract periods are really important because you have some semblance of job security in a world that job security really doesn't exist. You know, mm -hmm. you could you could always be taken off the air, but you would have a certain contract that would be owed to you. So in that way, they were great. In other ways, it was difficult to think about how your life would look, you know, three years down the line. And I was at a very critical juncture. It was right after the election of President Trump. There were a lot of changes that happened at Fox. Fox News was where I was working. Mm -hmm. And we were really ground zero of the Me Too movement as people kind of retraced their steps back to that. So I was that I was a new um, second-time mother. I had just given birth to my baby girl. And I had all of these different decisions in front of me and a lot of different information. News was definitely moving towards more partisanship. And that's just not what I do, Laura. So like it wasn't, there wasn't a way that I looked down the road and thought, oh, okay, well, you know, if news evolves this way, then I could fit in here because I can always mm -hmm. do a little commentary here or there. Like I can do commentary about journalism. <laughs> I feel co confident about that. But I got into the news to actually deliver the news. And I really take nonpartisanship very seriously. And I think that a journalist doesn't have a license to practice. We have our integrity. And so all these things, I mean, all of this, you have to think about this big kind of pot of chaos surrounding mm -hmm. me. And I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old and a big decision. And so the Where Smarter News kind of was that lightning bolt moment as I felt, and I, by the way, had had actually pitched a few different ideas. I felt like the female audience was really powerful. No one was really tapping into that audience. So periodically throughout my time at Fox, I kind of raised my hand and said, oh, why don't we do this? Why don't we try this? Why don't we do, hey, you know, we should really think about this digitally. But there wasn't a real warm reception to that. <laughs> so, you know, I really felt like this pull. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like there's something there that I think I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not sure what it is. And I was actually on a plane sitting next to my 10-month-old at the time. And uh, I had a one-year-old and a 10-month-old. So a one-and-a-half-year-old and a 10-month-old. And all of a sudden I was sketching, you know, sketching different words. Like what, 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 like what is this that I'm supposed to be doing? Like what is this? And I actually was sort of praying too, because I felt so conflicted. Mm -hmm. And that's when I wrote down the word smarter. And I was like, well, smarter sounds like smart her, you know, Th but that has to be taken. I mean, like, it's such an obvious, <laughs> like, it's, it's not like, you know, I just said the word out loud, you know, not, I just thought, oh, this is for sure. Someone has thought of this before. And uh, no one had. And so 
I bought the domain in the air, actually. Oh my uh, on gosh. The, on the plane flight. And I didn't know what it would become, uh-huh. but th- I know there's a lot there to unpack, but that's sort of the evolution of how I arrived at Smarter News. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an amazing story. And it just goes to, you know, the power of having an idea or this itch that you can't scratch. You know, there's something there and you just kind of plug pluck away at it until you figure out some way of kind of pulling it together. One thing that's interesting to me that I especially love about Smarter News is the fact that it's not it's not girly and it's not pink. It's news. Because right. you care about news, my audience cares about news in the same way that our male counterparts care about news. We don't need pink news. Pink news is fine. It's just that when we're looking for news, we want news like everybody else. And so why did you make that decision? Because I think a lot of the platforms, if you will, sort of the newer platforms that are focused on women tend to be either pink or girly or sort of very female oriented, meaning that the news selection, gender drives the news selection, right? If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Yes. I mean, because that's quite frankly, a couple of reasons I didn't go in that direction. Number one, that's not what the audience was telling me what they need, right? And if you actually listen to people, they tell you exactly what they want, which is why I think it's so interesting that corporations, we have so many different ways, these large companies and they're wondering like, well, what does the consumer really want? I'm like, if you ask them, they will tell you. They will actually really, really tell you what they want. I never had somebody turn to me, a friend or a stranger and say, you know what? I really wish I had more opinion in the news. You know, I would. I really <laughs> wish I had more opinions. That would be great. Or, you know, that was really interesting about, you know, the counterterrorism efforts in Yemen. But I really wanted to find out about you know, the, this season's favorite lipstick. Like I, no one's ever said that, you know, it's never (laughs) been that. I just thought if you really listen to people, they just, they just want the news. Like this is really, it's really not that tricky. It's actually just the news. That's what they want. And I think for women specifically, here's, there is a way that I think we do consume information differently than men. And it's not, it's not in a, this is not some sort of um, analysis that, that puts one side against each other. I think it's just different. I think there actually is a different way. No matter what happened in the day, my husband always figures out how to read something. I work in the news and sometimes I can't read a complete article because I'm multitasking Mm -hmm. on so many different levels. And I think a woman's mind works like that. So these small bites of high quality information, that's what I thought. Well, if I created these like quick card stacks that people could just read bullet points and if they thought it was something interesting, then they go to an article that I've already picked for them that actually is the best out of the 10 that I read. And then they they had an easy pathway. Like that would work for me because then I could get something. And if I really trusted the source, then I knew if I repeated it, I wasn't going to be wrong and that I would feel somehow empowered by that information. And so I thought, you know, when men go out to dinner with their friends, what do they do? Like they go to like a steakhouse, right? They're going to eat, you know, a steak and an appetizer and they're going to like, you know, that's what they're going to gather on a table and do. You know, what do women do when we go out and eat? Like we go and we order, you know, 10 different appetizers. <laughs> And nibble at each other's plates, and then we're good. Like we, and so that's how I thought. Like that's sort of how we consume information, like little bites of information along the way. And I think again, going back to where the woman is in American culture right now, regardless of race, religion, or region, she's multitasking at a really high level. So I knew if I created something inspired by women and the way that they consumed information, men would like it too, which is exactly what's happened. But I wanted to start with my peers because I thought. I know them, you know, and I'll be able to serve them better. And then as we grow smarter news, you know, it's not, there could be many different channels. It doesn't have to just be smart her. We also own smarter news, no H-E-R. But, you know, going back to the the original question, Laura, like at the end of the week, I actually do want to know a lot about the serious news. I actually do want to know about the lipstick too. So I'll (laughs) actually give you some preview. I don't, you know, depending on when people hear this, you could actually look back. We'll see if I actually execute this. But this week on Smarter News, we talked about, you know, the U.S. southern border. We talked about a conflict in Europe between Russia, Belarus, and and Poland. We talked about Yemen, a story out of the Middle East. Uh, We've talked about history as well, some important historical moments. But I actually was thinking, you know, it would be really fun at the end of this week. It's around the time that Taylor Swift released her 
her album, her red mm-hmm. album, and she's wearing this red lipstick. And I thought, you know what? It'd be really cool to end the week with a little bit of a deep dive of like, where did the red lipstick, like when did that actually become a thing? You know, mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting. I love that. So, yeah. You know, so it's like, I think, and that's, I actually said that to, to one of our a friends recently. She's like, well, how do you make plans? I'm like, it's very simple. It's like, what, you know, Capitol Hill, Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda lipstick. That's how I think about like the week, like I was like very serious, 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 something else, you know, like that's how I think about how you'd want your week to go. Like kind of front loaded Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with some of the serious stuff. And then Mm -hmm. as we get into the weekend, we kind of are off and we kind of, you know, kind of need to let you go and give you a couple conversation starters, which is what we call our lighter topics that have a little more substance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. We obviously are including um, links to Smarter News and to your Instagram in the show notes for this episode, of course, because I want folks to make sure that they check it out. I have a lot of different questions. One is <clears throat> this idea of, and, and I love the fact that you listen to your audience and that you're so connected to her. But one question that I have is, how do you know? Like when there are conflicting points of view or when you're getting a lot of input and it doesn't necessarily reconcile, like how do you stay true to the mission and listen to the audience at the same time when there may be conflicting points of view? Does that yeah, make sense? It, it, absolutely. And, and an example this week is that there's a court case that's getting a lot of attention with a lot of different points of view. And the way that we approach the news differently than I think other outlets is everybody rushes past some of the basics of the story to get to highlighting these different opinions because of a concern of, I think, sometimes trying to make sure that all sides are represented or in some cases just trying to promote one side or the other. So when I see that there's a lot of I, I don't want to, like static around a story where it's like you can't really see clearly then I really go back to, do we even know why we're here? Like, why does this story even matter? Why are we even talking about Yemen? Like, why would we even talk about it? You know, why would we even talk talk about this court case? Well, what actually happened that got us here? And that's how I think we add value is we always go back to some of the basics and we're not afraid to do that. I never think like, oh, they already know that. Like, we pro- you probably have already seen something like that, but maybe not as clearly as you potentially could. So I think that's, that's one of the ways that we navigate that. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to your career pivot because there are so many people that are facing disruption in their lives or have just really done a big rethink of where they're spending their time as a result of the pandemic. It's it's sort of crystallized in many people's minds, what I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. And so a lot of people are pivoting and trying to figure out what's next and how do you find that. You had spent your entire career in journalism as a professional journalist, on-air talent, um, making this pivot into something that was very different. Talk a little bit about the process that you went through, the soul searching that you went through before you pulled the trigger. You talked a little bit about kind of thinking about the creation of Smarter News, but maybe for you personally, how you had to rethink your personal story. Well, that's a great question. There were a couple factors at play. There was this, as you mentioned, that sort of sinking feeling or that that itch that you can't scratch that, you know, I'm not sure this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I loved being a journalist. I really wanted to be a working journalist. I wanted to be a news anchor. I didn't foresee myself necessarily in that role on a national level when I was thinking about my career. And the national level was amazing. I mean, you couldn't really be at a higher level. So when that was an opportunity and I was able to do that, it was a dream. Mm -hmm. But there was a point where I was wondering if that's what I was really supposed to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially it came with, I was trying repeatedly to report stories outside the studio. For whatever reason, that wasn't being allowed. Or I was put in these very strange situations. I'll give you an example. There's uh, the busiest bridge in the entire world, the George Washington Bridge, they actually hang the largest free-flying flag in the uh, American flag in the world from that bridge during different holidays. I thought that's such a great story. I'd love to go tell that story. Like that's a story that our audience would really like around Flag Day or July Fourth, and it's right here in New York City. The only way that I got approval to do that was I had a two-hour show. Was that if I only missed the first hour? And then I had to be back on air the second hour. 
So let me tell you how this works. They show up to the George Washington Bridge. I end up meeting this great group of guys that work on the bridge. And they're like, you're going up, right? And I'm like, what do you mean I'm going up? They're like, well, we're going to bring you up to the top of the bridge, right? And I'm like, I guess, you know, they're like giving me a harness. I'm like, okay, I guess. I mean, I'm in like hiking boots. I mean, I'm dressed for it, but like, I didn't think I was going up. My producer is afraid of heights. So she actually doesn't go up. But my camera guy and the audio guy, I'll never forget it. They were like, this is great. We're going to go up. And the workers allowed me to walk off of the top of the bridge down part of the span to get a shot. And I actually did a stand up, you know, what we would call like a, a, uh, like a, a little appearance in the middle of a piece where I give you a uh-huh. fact on the span of this bridge. And little do people know that I had to get off the span of the bridge, get back to the studio, put on my high heels and a dress and like do the second hour of the show. And it was stuff like that where, you know, I was one of like, let's say, I don't know, actual news anchors at Fox at the time that weren't doing like a hosted show or like a panel show, you know, it's probably like one of, I don't know, maybe six or seven people. So the fact that I was having to do like, like it just started, that was sort of soul crushing at a certain point. Right. (laughs) I'm so glad that the piece came out well, but at a certain point in your, you know, like six, seven years into the job, you're like, why is this happening? Hey, I'd really like to be part of uh, being part of the coverage for the inauguration, you know, big things that that every single show was going to and our show wasn't. And the reality is, is that they weren't really investing in news. Mm-hmm. So I had to be very honest about that with myself. So it wasn't just like, hey, I'm not sure this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. It's just like sit on air and deliver the news. I love doing the live interviews, but I really wanted to be able to stretch a little bit and, and practice the journalism that I really thought the viewers were asking for, which was sort of more historical stories and get it, getting outside of kind of the regular news cycle and the d- constant like political debates. Like I felt like people really needed a break. That's what they were telling me. And, you know, even if I did a couple pieces of year, that would be great, but I couldn't really figure out how to do it. The second thing is just, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in business news and where people spend their money tells you a lot. And the money just wasn't being spent in news. So if I really felt that I wanted to practice the news and deliver the news, then if I was being very honest with how the company was moving, they weren't investing there. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't say, I'm going to stay and I just am going to fight that. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. So I either had to be in it to have this huge fight that I was going to lose or I was going to have to figure out another way. And I thought maybe I could do that and still stay within kind of the family of Fox. Um, but it just didn't seem that that was possible. And mm-hmm. that was a very that was a very difficult decision. And it very much confounded my bosses. They were like, how could you walk away from this job? Right. <laughs> how could you do this? And I was like, well, for these reasons, you know, and here's what I'm thinking. Like, And it just – uh, it was like we were not speaking the same language. It, there was no, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going out of bounds here to say like there wasn't, there wasn't like a big blow up, you know? And mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways when people leave the news, there's some like big drama and like they're going somewhere else. And I was like, I just don't think this is the place. And I think the longer that I actually stay, even in like a temporary role or something like that, I'll actually become more vulnerable. Uh-huh. And that was the case. There is a story though. I mean, Laura, not to go, I'm sorry, I'm being a little long-winded, but there, there is a moment I think that people have to really reflect on. I had this moment uh, in a very specific situation in South Africa in a cage diving experience with great white sharks. <laughs> so dramatic turn, <laughs> but let me tell you, there's a lesson here. I promise. So there was this point where you're in this cage. I mean, this is an amazing experience. I'm happy to fill in some blanks here, but where you realize like if the shark wants to get in the cage, like the shark is getting in the cage. Like this is the largest predatory fish in the world. Like there's not a lot that's going to keep that fish away, you know? So are you really safe or are you really stuck? And I think that's the biggest lesson that I really had to reflect on. I was in this great role. Was I safe or was Mm -hmm. I actually stuck? And you never want to be stuck in your role. The less you can move, So like even in the cage, like the less you can move, the less that you can evolve, the less that you can grow, the tighter that you're being held, the more vulnerable you are. I think that's true of any work relationship, personal relationship, for any of that. Like you need to be in a place where you're able to to move. 
Mm-hmm. And I had that that feeling all of a sudden, which is I'm actually very vulnerable. I'm in this great role, but I'm actually stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And that's not security. That's something else. And so that was a big, that was a big moment where I was, you know, I felt like I had to, I had to make a move to even kind of kind of save myself. I love that. I love that story, that analogy. I think that's absolutely spot on. One question that I have, just because it's something that that I struggled with when I made a big career pivot. It was different than yours, but but still a, a big one. Is there's pieces of my past life that I still miss, even though they wouldn't exist in the same way if I had just continued on the same path. And everything you've said about learning and growing and challenging yourself, it completely has held true for me. And it's such an important component of this idea of building and sustaining influence, like continuing to challenge yourself in that way. It's so critical to that. Um, But I'm curious as to whether you still have those moments where you miss elements of that that job. I was completely unprepared, Laura, for like the grieving process yeah. because it wasn't just leaving it wasn't just leaving a role that I never thought that I would have and that was a dream in many ways. I we ended up leaving New York, a city that I love I love like when people talk about having a love affair with the, a city and I feel like that sounds a li- little cliché to me it is it's it's still difficult. It's still it's still difficult for me to talk about, and I had two again. I had two little kids. We ended up moving uh, outside of Austin to a fairly rural place, just because mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't really there wasn't like some great plan, you know. I didn't have like this great orchestrated, you know, uh, well branded exit. And people were telling me I, I'd ruined my career. You know, I'd interviewed a lot of different places. I had a lot of good, I felt, you know, good relationships with other networks, but every other network, and this is really critical for people to know, they were the same conversations. You know, mm-hmm. they were looking for more panel shows, more debate, and and really didn't believe me when I said, no, 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 I really, I really believe in nonpartisanship. And I actually think more people, even if they are partisan, even if they're Republican or Democrat, I think the market is bigger for an independent news source that just is interesting mm-hmm. because no one's doing that. And I think there's, we, we create real estate in that. I think we own that. I think that's, that's where we need to go. But I mean, the conversations were all the same. Yeah, They were all the same. And so I thought maybe, oh, maybe I'll parlay, like doing a little work on the side. Maybe I'll do something like that. And that didn't happen. I kind of threw myself into building a digital platform, which I didn't expect to become an entrepreneur necessarily. You know, and there's lots of parts of building a business I didn't know anything about. I mean, actually all of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I had these two little kids. I was in rural Texas in the middle of summer. I mean, just to give people a perspective, and my husband was traveling all the time. You know, I had supported the family so he could build his business. And it started to take off, which was great. I mean, that was really important to us. But I was alone and yeah. I had never been, this is going to sound crazy. Like I had never loaded my kids in the car to go to the grocery store. I never had to do that because I just walked down to the store, you know, like on the way home from work in New York, I never did that. I didn't own a car. Like uh-huh. even that exercise was totally exhausting and sort of depressing, you know, yeah. and I... I miss so much. So there's definitely times I miss. I miss the city. I miss. Um, I miss the crew, the people that you work with behind the scenes. Like those are the people that I talk the most to. That I absolutely heart like heartbreaking miss them. But they're also the sort of relationships that you didn't necessarily have a relationship necessarily outside of work because you saw each other so much all the time in the most intimate ways. You know, like. And so it wasn't something that you had well practiced to sort of continue. I'm in touch with a few of them, but right. And and I sure I could reach out still, you know. And it's still like, oh, my, you know, it's such a, an important part of my life. But yeah, the grieving process is very difficult, and I I still think I'm in it. I and it's it is a little confusing because I don't miss the politics. Of, there was a lot of parts where I was appearing in front of a million plus people every day on the news and incredibly lonely. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a very difficult juxtaposition. Um, so, you know, I don't really, I don't miss that. And I feel like the service that we could provide in Smarter News, like in a lot of ways, Smarter News saved me because 
when I started talking to the audience more, then I regained that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it's tough. It's not without yeah. loss. And I think that's the thing with all this like, sort of flashy, like, you know, mom boss, girl boss, this a boss, da 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 da. Like, everyone's like, entrepreneurship is so great. Like, there's a lot of parts <laughs> of entrepreneurship that are awesome. There's also parts of entrepreneurship that are, are like terrible and very yeah. difficult. And there's some very depressing. I mean, I'm just like totally honest. They, there have been some very dark days, and they still continue, even with yeah. even with smart news, you know, growing and thriving. And you see that the the audience is there. Uh, you know, it's still difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it can be a very, very lonely existence. So what is your, what's your support network look like? Maybe talk a little bit too about the infrastructure of Smarter News. Like what's going on behind the scenes? We, we see you and I, I want, I want to talk about that piece, but sort of what does it look like? How did you, how did you build it? So the idea also with Smarter News, and this is sort of ironic before the pandemic, is I really felt like the five day work week really wasn't working, especially mm. for young women or young mothers, not even young mothers, any mother. <laughs> I'm not a young mother anymore. It doesn't work for me. I'm working seven days a week now. That's a, that's what happens. You're like, five days doesn't work, so I'll do seven. Um, but I really thought, you know, there's a lot of people that, especially when their kids are very young, they need more flexibility with their jobs. They have expertise. They they need this this flexibility for a period of time, probably like until their child is like five. Um, and gets into more of a school routine, whatever that looks like, or or maybe beyond that. So they really can give two to three days a week. But a lot of those people that can give two to three days a week, that's that's about what other people can give in 60 hours a week. So the way that the structure of Smarter News was supposed to work and uh, in, in what I'm tr- trying to build towards is have kind of this crew of contract employees that, that step in and out with a certain expertise at a certain time. So mm-hmm. At one point, you know, uh, we have someone with a legal background. Uh, I have a really great researcher now that does a lot of fact checking. She's in fact full time at this point because we just need it. We just can't be wrong, you know. I mean, it's not even and and I need that the support. Uh, I do have now. This is just new. I mean, these are really over the last sixty days. Just hired someone that is doing more video production and brand development. So some of the more RC videos that we're we're doing. That those are in her hands. Um, I have a copy editor um, that's also very important. Again, a, a mom that that kind of steps in and out at different times, and that can be a lot. That can actually create not her, not her, but sort of the situation that I've built can be a little bit more ca- chaotic than I would like. Uh, I have an additional, so I have a couple like part time, very part time writers. I have a full time researcher, full time video content producer, and uh, part time copy editor. And what I'm hoping for is to kind of build up some people with more of a specific expertise, let's say business, for example, and they're going to be responsible for like two or three business stories a month. And 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 kind of pull in those people that have their their beats, which is mm-hmm. what, you know, old kind of old-fashioned journalism beats. Like you're yeah. going to do the courts, you're going to do the the business news. I'm going to do general news. That's what I still sort of do. A lot of the content that you see on the site I'm still very, very, very involved in um, and sometimes completely creating. Mm-hmm. And that's not great for the company. It needs to, it needs to be able to grow. And that's why I called Smarter News Smarter News and not, you know, Jenna's network. Like it it needs to be able to exist without me. And mm-hmm. it needs to be able to have a lot of different voices that are a part of it. So that's what we're moving towards. And it's just looked, it's looked different, a lot, very different at different times over the years. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think about the monetization model? I mean, this is one of the big challenges with existing media is oftentimes what can't, what can be, these are my words, not yours, a misalignment of incentives perhaps. Right. And this moment in time that we're in, you really, I think are feeling that in a big way. So how are you based on what you want to accomplish how are you thinking about a monetization model that really works and supports your audience and the product? So it's a big idea and it's a different, you know, it's different in so many ways. And it's almost like the whole media world is attached to clutter, like addicted to clutter. And it's from very bad metrics. So when you go on a website, you see just clutter of ads or like, you know, you get this pop-up ad that you got to get through to get to the other side. Then you get to an right. article, then you have a, a gated content. I mean, it's like, that's not customer service. And I just mm-hmm. 
cannot do it <laughs> to our audience. So, and that's unfortunate because it basically eliminate all established forms of revenue <laughs> for a media <laughs> company, which is not what I'm trying to do. I think in what I see are a couple of things. You know, I do see moving towards complete app development. We didn't have the audience necessarily that I thought that if we developed an app and made that investment, that it would kind of work itself out. I think we're at that point now. So mm -hmm. that's definitely where we're going. So you have a contained kind of real estate piece of property that people would have to invest in in order to have. And that that's about the only subscription model that I'm really comfortable with because information is also just out there, you know? And I think we do add value. It's not that. But I... I want to think different. If I really am putting the customer first, I really have to think about them and like what would work for them. So what I think of Smarter News is that we want to have smarter partners. These are going to be products and things that we really like. And we're going to tell you a little bit of the backstory of the company. So the advertisements that we could give are more like old-fashioned radio testimonials, you know, where mm -hmm. they would interrupt a radio broadcast and be like, oh yeah, by the way, this is what I really like. This is a family-owned company. This is how they came up with this idea. The value that we can add to companies that way and do it better than anybody else because we're actually trusted, a trusted source of information, is that people remember that story. Mm -hmm. And I realize that that's a real value add, like how we're able to position companies as partners that would 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 pay us a fee to be in front of our audience, but that we actually believe in. And by the way, I've made it this far three years without making any money. I'm I like. I don't, what do I have to lose now? I've already lost, you know, it's like, it's or like, I'm not going to just take anybody's money. It's like, no, if I actually right. think your product's great and you want access to our audience, there's a barrier to entry. Sure. But we're going to do things differently. That's going to add a lot of value. And eventually what I do see is, is definitely branded content. I mean, there's no, and we've seen some of that to be successful. So yeah, I don't like subscriptions, but mm -hmm. if I could sell you a water bottle that has our logo on it, that is something that you like carrying around, then, and that also gives me a little bit of money that's sort of like a subscription. And we do that every quarter, you know, like maybe that sort of works too, you know? So I want people to love the news so much that they actually want to represent. And so we kind of have this branded content, um, branded gear or branded products. I don't, you know, I don't see there's any reason why someday I can't work with a Neutrogena and come up with a smarter sunscreen and have the audience there. I mean, people are doing, you have a lot of like beauty influencers that are doing that for, let's say an eyeshadow palette. Well, we could do it at Smarter News and we could actually talk about how you develop this thing. So we have that kind of line. We have more traditional, smarter partnerships. And then I do see some sort of app development, some something along that line would be a revenue stream. Hopefully someday though, we would have some partners that are just sort of, uh, let me, for example, like a, a grocery store chain that could be our partner for the year. And let's say every, you know, every three weeks we do a smarter recipe with them with a product that we can buy in their store. Love and that. we're get, you know, so we're creating value. It's always about like yeah. a little value, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, by the way, you know, avocado prices are up for this reason. Uh, you know, you could do this. You know, like it's right. a way to mix in the news with something with fun. Something yeah. fun and that creates a value that's different. It's just not mm -hmm. throwing things in front of people and saying, "Oh, well, a million people visited our site, so this is what this advertisement is worth." I've never shopped from a, a pop-up ad. I don't know why anyone thinks that's still effective. Right. Or like the clutter is working, but somehow we've tricked ourselves in the industry to think, oh, well, it's all about quantity. I don't think it's about quantity. I, yeah. I think it's actually about quality. And I think with the smarter news audience, they are very smart, no pun intended. And they're, we're not going to just put anything in front of them. Like they don't deserve yeah. that. So I think that, and we owe it to them and that's yeah. how we can be different. Is it hard to be patient and pace yourself as you have these this big vision and these big dreams and aspirations? How do you how do you um, sort of gauge yourself in terms of okay now we're we're ready for this? I mean, because oh, you're, you're going no. a million miles an hour. Yeah. Well, and you're and a I small team, and yeah, I didn't expect a pandemic, you know, or like all right. those other things that happen. You're like, oh, right, oof. Yeah, it wasn't really – I mean, it's you know, it's important for the news industry that's been uh, – as far as being able to provide information to people during a critical time. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible at that or I have no good solutions or thoughts on it because I'm not good. This week is a perfect example. Like I barely slept all week. My husband's traveling all week. I got three kids. Like it's – I mean, it's crazy. And yeah. every week we sort of pull it off and then I wonder how we did it and then we do it. Then, you know, and, and if I could – 
if if I could even think to myself, well, you know, maybe I'll just take a break. Now I'll take a couple weeks off and like reassess. But there's something in this that I can't do. And I really have to keep asking myself that question about why because I want it to be for the right reasons. I I, I believe obviously that it is. Uh, I've, I've proven that if, when I, when I don't, I leave. (laughs) So, um, but what's been really helpful with that is my, my husband's experience. You know, he got out of the military and thought he was going one direction, ended up building a leadership business. And it took him five, six years to do that. As a family, I was totally unprepared for that. I did not know that my first year of marriage would be that, like all of a sudden these change of gears and like, you know, what that does to a family financially, how that affects your relationship. But my husband in being able to build a successful business also provides me a lot of support and encouragement because he's been there. And even though I saw it and I know how long it takes, it's still, I still need him. So I think he's very critical to keeping me on the path, as he likes to say, (laughs) because because he, he believes in the mission and he also knows that it takes time. Yeah. Would you do you envision the two of you ever collaborating on projects? Have you ever? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in in, in sometimes um just sort of for fun or for friends or those that are that actually have a need, I'll do some strategic storytelling, um, like almost consulting. Yeah. And a lot of companies need that. You know, a lot of people need that. Everyone thinks that they know what their story is, but they don't really know how to connect it to the time period that we're in. Again, that's something I think that we add at Smarter News that others don't do as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we've thought about collaborating uh, about in a, in a few different ways. And maybe in the future we can because, you know, leadership has a lot of familiar storylines that we see in the news. And a lot of our stories, if you strip them all away, really are about good or bad leadership. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. You know, one of the big pivots that you did, um, which I think you you seem to really love, it seems to really resonate with you, is this ability to be particularly authentic with your audience in order to build up their trust. It's It was something that I think was probably would have been difficult if it was accepted at all in your network anchor job. This is a very different platform, but you're very real and you show real vulnerability with your audience on a near daily basis. Maybe talk about why that's so important. Well, I just think it comes back to honest storytelling and there's no way for me to be able to function. I'm sure there's other people that can do this very well, um, but there's like, this is what it is. I'm going to be very honest about Smarter News and the obstacles that we're confronting or what's going on in my life. I get support from the audience. I mean, it's really, that's such a wonderful relationship and they feel like I support them, but they really support support me and really the mission. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely like almost a self-serving factor to it, Laura, now that I say it out loud, (laughs) but it's not, (laughs) it's not, it's just, that's just, it just is what it is, you know, right. and there's no way not to just tell it like it is. And I don't really know any other way. And even now, if I had to get all dressed up and fancy and the anchor clothes and makeup, I don't know, you know, I guess I could, I mean, I'm sure I could do it. I would still do it. It's, it's still me when I'm uh, delivering news in a more professional uh, setting than, you know, over a cup of coffee in the morning, yeah. uh, in my workout clothes. But this just feels right right now, and um, so yeah, I think that's the, I think that the answer to that is just there's that's the way that it feels right, and I just that's what I do when it feels right. It's just like well, you know, I'm just going to tell you what's going on. Yeah, social media has been a big part of your strategy and reaching and finding your audience where they are. But it has also come, it's it's a blessing in many respects, as I think most people would acknowledge, but there are some downsides. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges. I know you had some challenges earlier this week. Oh, yes. I mean, this is, I love social media. Like social media is a running magazine. It's a running news feed for me. I use mainly Twitter as a newswire. I don't really, mm-hmm. I'm not really active on Twitter anymore, but Instagram is really where our audience is. And I want to be where the audience is. So if you got up and you're like, I'm not going to be on Instagram anymore, I'm going to be on Spotify. Be like, great, 
we're moving everything to Spotify <laughs> or we're, you know, you really have to like, you have to be convenient for people. Part of the right. problem with the news is it's not convenient and you're not even getting it in a, in a way that's easy to digest. So I, you know, Instagram has been a huge force for us, but we've also realized how vulnerable that also makes us. I just can't help it, Laura. I every week I'm like, oh, I should just post like half of the content so that people have to come back to the website, you know, <laughs> so that they can visit our website. But I'm like, but they're there and they're gonna be frustrated with that. And like, I know I'm giving it away for free, but I feel like the path will be made, you know, made clear to me as long as I keep serving them the best that I can. The problem with it with Instagram right now for me is that I can't call anyone, I can't talk to anyone, and our audience has grown to the size that it's it's really critical to our company. Right. And I feel very mixed about that because for example, we've had we've had very strange things ha- as Instagram has put through a series of updates over the last couple of weeks. And in those updates, it's disrupted traffic in a way that is not isn't doesn't make any sense. And I'm talking about huge drops and rises and things that are very bizarre and I'm getting a lot of complaints from our users that they're not able to find us, they're not able to pull up. Um in the past, we have tackled really difficult topics, but we're committed to nonpartisanship. Even when we do that, sometimes the algorithm can remove content without telling us or put warning signs up for whatever reason. And there's no way for me as an entrepreneur to fight back against that. And that's really scary, but it's also something I agreed to by using the platform. So it's a conundrum. I'm not quite sure how to navigate it. This week in particular has been a very, very difficult week because I'm worried about the audience and in a way that I haven't been worried about them before. And I don't know what to do about it. There was some indication that some of the settings were changed to help people avoid sensitive content. And let me tell you something, news is definitely sensitive content. So that could be that maybe that's the reason, you know, maybe that's why you have, you have to go into your own settings as a user, change your settings mm-hmm. to allow for sensitive content. I mean, who knows, but no one's, e- no one's even telling the user that they have to do it. So stuff like that, it just, it leads you to kind of spin up. And I don't, I really don't have a great answer. I want to continue to use social media, but this week has been a very much a soul searching week of okay, I got to move quicker on that app uh, development. We, mm-hmm. we got to be okay with telling people to go back to our website. We are going to lose them. It's like a, you know, it's kind of like you're in a storm and people are linking arms and they're getting kind of ripped away from you. And that's like a terrible feeling when you've poured so much into building a business, but that's also the barrier to entry. So yeah. it's, you know, so, I want to be fair to, to Instagram too. I mean, those are, yeah. they're, the, the, this is what they put out there and we're right. agreeing to use their platform. Right. So you've, but you've mirrored most, if not all of your content onto your website as well. So that people who are either don't use social media for whatever reason would blow my mind, but (laughs) why someone wouldn't use social media, but some people don't. And so they can find Smarter News at smarthernews.com, which is a mirror image of what you're putting out on Instagram, including your regular video updates um, on a, are you, are you providing those updates on a daily basis? Yes. Typically it's Monday through Thursday. And sometimes there's an interview on Friday, sometimes even mm-hmm. Thursdays that. So I really just focus on that. But yes, all of our, our video content is loaded to YouTube. And then from there, we are able to pull that video onto our website. So even if you didn't want to visit the website, but you wanted to sign up on YouTube, you could even get an email that'll tell you when there's a new video up. So Instagram's just been the place where most people are. So that's where we've, mm-hmm. we've really invested. But yes, 100%, our content is many, many different places and it's all the same. So that's a positive that, you know, those little card stacks that you see on Instagram are the same way you flip through them on our website. And so I'm proud of that. It's just that the audiences are all different and they're all different people. And so you always want to reach as many as you possibly can. Yeah. How about a a bit of advice for someone out there listening who maybe is interested in challenging herself in a different way, taking on entrepreneurship, whether it's a news platform or something completely different. What advice do you have for her? It's hard because at this point of the week, I'm like, what advice, could I give any good advice at this point? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that, I think one of the things that I didn't really, um, that I underestimated is the amount of support that you need. So in my case, I really needed to be more serious about 
childcare. You know, I was trying to do everything. I was trying to have my mornings with my kids and uh, have a babysitter come in the afternoon. And I was trying to piece together that. I was piecing together that with piecing together contract workers. And that sort of chaos wasn't good for the family. It's actually the sort of situation that I'm back in now because my kids' ages have changed. They're in school. So now I'm kind of battling yeah. a different thing. But now uh, your youngest is – Is two. Is two. two. Yeah, you, he just turned two. Two. Two, year old, two to oldest is – Seven, seven, just turned seven. seven. Okay. Yeah. So my two-year-old, and the only reason I could do this interview, does a little preschool two days a week, which is great. And that's, you know, that's how I'm able to carve out a little time during the week. But I I think the whole family needs to understand that entrepreneurship gives you that that feeling that, oh, you have a really flexible schedule. You know, you're gonna work when you can, it's gonna be great, you're gonna have so much freedom. It's yeah, I mean, some of that's true. Some of that's true. Um, some of that looks much different than you would imagine though. Like, you know, blasting right. down the highway and the passenger seat, using your phone as a hotspot, trying to get something <laughs> up at like 10 o'clock at night. That's what that looks like sometimes. Right. And you just need to have an honest conversation with the family that like, hey, I'm working. There are some boundaries I'm going to need. I'm going to need some protected time. And I've done this very unsuccessfully, Laura. So I'm saying this saying, I wish I could figure that out better. And one way you can do that is when you hire someone, it makes you get out of the house because you're right. paying money to do that. As a mom, you feel torn because you want to be around your kids. It's better for everybody if mom does have some contained periods where she can actually work. Uh, unfortunately, that also means those contained periods are Oh, you could take the kids to the doctors and then there's a, there's a leak in the yard and you could, you know, so that gets infringed upon. So you kind of got to get buy-in. You need buy-in is what I'm telling you. That's why you need to get buy-in. You need to be honest with yourself. This is actually work. It isn't just something that you can pick up your phone and do while your kids are at the jump park. You're going to need to have that dedicated time. Yeah. And if you take yourself seriously, then other people are going to respect that a lot more. And you also have to be smart about how you use that time, right? Yes. To, to your point, you can't just run downstairs and throw in a load of laundry when you've got that two-hour window and right. you've got 14 things to accomplish, or m m maybe it's three, maybe it's not 14, but, uh, but really being honest with yourself and being very disciplined about how you use your time is so incredibly important when you have so little of it. Right. Yes, absolutely. And also knowing, like, for example, there's some things today that I really could be, I could spend all day. I mean, there's endless tasks. But I have a babysitter that's going to come this afternoon, and I'm delivering some food to some uh, family friends. You know, I'm doing some things that I. You also need to set aside time to do those things. Like yeah. you, you have to do it. Otherwise, your your company also suffers. So it's about that hyper discipline that you're talking about, and knowing what actually needs to be accomplished. What Leif talks about, my husband is prioritize and execute. You know, mm -hmm. you really have to think like, what is the priority that I need to do today, and you need to knock those out. But you also need to create space to say, hey, there's going to be a time that actually just getting out of this house and away from this computer and away from the other demands is going to where was where the new ideas come from, and that can be very difficult to do too because it's hard to give yourself that time of just right. saying, you know, I'm going to run to TJ Maxx, which is my favorite place to go, or like go to Home Goods, or like whatever it is that's mildly, you know, you just go somewhere and walk around yeah. for a second. And I think that's something about motherhood that no one ever told me about, that you do need those moments. And it's not like a spa day. It's just like a second to yourself. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's really critical. Yeah. No, I think that's very good advice. Um, because our focus is on influence and the different levers that help us build that, Talk for a minute about how you think about influence. What does influence mean to you? I think influence is about service. It's less about getting someone to believe what you believe and more about enriching their life. So that's how I would think about influence when it comes to what we're doing at Smarter News. If we can provide you great information that's solid about current events, that's the way we could would be a good influence. If we could also set a model up that could show news in a in a new way or give people a different way of thinking about the business community, whether it's for uh, mothers or thinking about a new pathway of how we would develop a company, then that could be positive influence. But I think everything for me comes back to service. I believe news delivery and new, what we call a new service because it actually is service. And I think every time you get off of service, most most every industry is a service industry, except a lot of people pretend that they're not. And I think that's where you get lost. So when I feel like I'm getting lost, I go back to, well, what, 
what does someone actually need to know today? How can we best complement their life this week? And sometimes that also means like stepping away from them a little bit because they probably, you know, for whatever you get a sense, like people mm-hmm. are, they got a lot going on, but just that sense of service is what I think influence is, is, is all about. And it, it makes influence seem a little less dark. Cause I think this idea of <laughs> sometimes influencing people is like, mm-hmm. we're going to bring you, bring you <laughs> along to the dark side, you know, like it's not, but that's not what, what, what I would ever hope to accomplish. I know that's not what the priority for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. If you could go back and give young Jenna, as you were just launching your career, maybe a single piece of advice, what would that be? I would tell her that even as a younger person, that her standards are pretty high and that a lot of people, and and I'm, I'm not saying that in like a weird way. I think I could sound weird, Laura, so I don't really know. <laughs> but that <laughs> I realized throughout my life that I I sometimes people would call me intense, you know, oh you're you're kind of intense, you know, like but there were very few people that were willing to, you know, wake up at two o'clock in the morning, work a writer shift and then like, take a camera out and go shoot a story and not get paid for it, which is exactly what I did early on in my career. And I thought like, oh no, a lot of people are going to do this. You know, <laughs> like it's like isn't everyone doing this? Like, no, actually not a lot of people were doing that. And there was a point in my career where, and it was right when I got really promoted, I was a younger, you know, I was a younger news anchor and my quote unquote intensity got me to that point. And it's also what aggravated people because they were really happy with the status quo or they were very comfortable. They didn't really want to do extra work. And I was really into that. And I think I would have, I got a little bit discouraged and didn't know how to navigate Oh, that oh, you're so intense. Um, comment, mm-hmm. and I think I would have pushed a little harder. Uh, I think I should. I don't. I don't regret not pushing hard. I think I, I did the best I could. But if I could go back and tell her, like, yeah, you actually are a unique individual, and this is true of anyone that's listening. You are unique. The way that you're looking at the world is unique, and there is a value in that. And you know, not everyone's going to see that, and not everyone that's older than you that has more experience actually has, has, uh, better advice, you know, that there's a certain part in adulthood that you, you reach and you're like, wow, everyone's walking around like, this is adulthood. Like I thought everyone like knew what they were doing. No one knows what they're doing. <laughs> like we're all just trying to wing it every week, you know? And I think I would have, I would have just said like, that's okay to not know everything and it's okay to try things and you just want to keep on trying things. So I think that was, that was uh, the source of a lot of heartache for me at times of like not understanding why why we get that sort of reaction. And I would have been more accepting of that reaction and then also more dismissing of it. And I I think that's something that um I hope to instill in in, in my daughter too. Because that yeah. that intensity like when someone labels you as intense as a woman, we all know what that that really means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe just one sort of maybe somewhat related question. And that is how do you how do you deal with the little voice in your head that can be like a great source of strength, but she can also be, um, you know, sometimes your your biggest uh, enemy or, or or obstacle at times. How do you deal with that self talk or that tendency that we can have to be really hard on ourselves? What I'm trying to do is to actually live the mantra, which is smarter news, which is curiosity over commentary. That's mm-hmm. something that we said over the last year or so, it rings true. And anytime you approach a difficult topic or a difficult situation with curiosity, your whole posture changes. And it's we're in a world where commentary and like getting your point of view and being branding and like all of that stuff is like, is, seems to really be prioritized. But curiosity actually lets the story develop. And what I'm trying to do when those voices come up, because they do, is to continue to ask myself why they do. Like, why is that a reoccurring thing? Like, what is that really about? The more you kind of provoke yourself for honest conversations, the more likely you will be to get to the answer, I believe. The more direct you can ask yourself, it's like an interview. The more directly you can ask yourself about that, the hopefully the more direct answer you will get. But also to eliminate the commentary, the constant commentary on your own storyline is maddening. And right. I wouldn't do it like it's like a play by play. Like you just got to turn down the dial on that. Like 
I'm not really interested in my commentary on any topic, to be honest with you, which is why I'm a journalist. Like, I'm not really interested in how I feel about U.S. politics, anything. I'm just not interested. Like, this is not what I do. But about myself, oh, yeah, I got a lot of opinions. And so <laughs> I need to, that needs to be dialed back a little bit because it's really not where the value is. The more you approach the world with curiosity, I just think the the less pressure you put on yourself and the more you're able to accept the wonder that is around us. And there's a lot of it. And so we want to put ourselves in the position for that wherever we are in our life rather than the opposite. Yeah. And it's that secret to building good relationships, including relationships yes. with people who have a very different point of view than we do. It's all about curiosity and approaching it from that standpoint. I love that. That's really great. Jenna, it's been such a pleasure. I've really loved the conversation. Well, thank you so much. This is It's hard to tell my own story, Laura, so I really appreciate the opportunity and I really appreciate your listeners too. Thank you so much. Well, you're so welcome. I really loved it. Great to see you. Friend, thanks so much for joining us today. I'd love to know what resonated with you from my conversation today with Jenna Lee and how you think about your own curiosity as a means to challenge yourself to make sense of the world and to differentiate your knowledge and your know-how. Send me a note and let me know. Also, I could really use your help. Be sure to leave a review so that others who are looking for content like this can find it. Until next time, have a great week and take care. I'll see you again soon.